flushing girl from flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. Welcome back, everybody, to Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast about the 90s hit sitcom The Nanny, starring Fran Drescher. But the podcast stars me and my (laughs) co-host... Toria Sheffield. That's right. And I am Sean DePasquale. We are back with season three, episode 24, The Cantor Show. Mm-hmm. This is, I love this episode. But also, Toria, we have a special guest this week. We do. We do. We have Arie Cohen Wade on, uh, who is the host of the podcast Culturally Determined, among other things, which we guested on. Now it will be a few months back. Uh, many months back, probably many when this ago. airs. But um, Arie, welcome to the podcast. Would you please introduce yourself? Uh, hi guys, thanks so much for having me. So yes, I am a podcast host, a show called Culturally Determined, and I am a former coworker of Toria's. Mm-hmm. And I watched The Nanny when it was on TV originally, and then didn't think about it much, you know, for the following twenty five or so years uh, until I had you guys. <laughs> On my podcast um, to talk about your show and the nanny and uh, associated topics. Mm-hmm. That's um, right, folks. This is the quid pro quo episode of <laughs> Oh, Mr. Sheffield, where wherein we are graciously uh, asked to be on someone else's show, and then we corner them into being on our show in return and force them to watch an episode of the nanny. <laughs> And nope. that's how you make new nanny fans. <laughs> so yeah, one a, you gotta get them one at a time. That's right. It's a long process. <laughs> um, it's God's work. Um, and so this episode, the Cantor Show, it just to anchor us, it is the episode where Fran starts dating a Cantor, who then gets asked to be in one of Mr. Sheffield's productions. But I also just wanted to read the first couple sentences from the IMDb uh, synopsis because it just made me laugh because when I took a step back from the episode and then like read the synopsis, I just went like, this is so batshit. Like, so this is what it says. It goes, Fran starts dating Gary Isaac, the handsome new cantor at Sylvia's Temple on a chance meeting with Burt Bacharach at the Sheffield household. (laughs) At which Gary wows Bacharach with his singing. Maxwell and Cece hire Gary as a performer for their new Bacharach penned musical. And yes, like, this what? was the most incredulous aspect of this episode to me as well. <laughs> Even in just taking my notes, was the scene where they're like, where they're like, "Hey, it's Bert Bacharach," and then and then they're like, "Oh, hey, here's a canter," and he sings and he dips nanny, and then Bert Bacharach goes, "I want to hire him," and they go, "You're in our show," and I went, "What?" <laughs> Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. That's not how any of that works. (laughs) But also, I will say, um, Sean, you and I talked about this briefly before we started recording. I was very pleased at how both Jewy and musical theater oriented this episode was because we talked a lot about that when we were on Arya's podcast. And I was like, man, how humiliating would it be if we had him on for an episode that like just contradicted everything we said about this show? I mean, it was (laughs) – Full disclosure, we picked this up. Ep- like, I went through and we were like, <laughs> I, well, because well, you were re- originally like, all right, I guess we'll have him on and in whatever episode we're doing. And then, and I was like, yeah. And then it, it occurred to me, like, oh, we record these in advance. We could just pick any episode. <laughs> we don't have to force him to watch some random one. Let's pick one that will be like relevant. And so, 
uh, I read the description for the show and I, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, this would be great. Three Jews talking about a Jewish, the most Jewy episode of the most Jewish well, show on television. This is one of the like Jewiest like pieces of culture I've absorbed in years. I was, I was shocked at how Jewy well, this episode was that it aired on television. You know, and, and we're going to, I'm going to reference and Tori has already referenced our conversation that we had. So if you, if you are listening to this episode and you haven't listened to a uh, culture determined episode that we were on, go back and listen because we're probably going to reference, you know, topics that we brought up there. And one of the things is like how, you know, the reason this show, and I've talked about it here too, like the reason it meant so much to me, I think as a kid is because I had never seen such displays of Jewishness normalized on television before. And it was like, it felt very much like, ah, I am being seen right now, <laughs> you know? Um, and quick question. Okay, I Googled this. Does anybody – I don't know the answer. The Cantor show, like is – what is that in reference to? Is that like wordplay on another huh. – Was there ever something called the Eddie Cantor show? Mm, uh, maybe. maybe. I don't know. I, I literally Googled what is the Cantor show the nanny a reference to and nothing came <laughs> They so don't have anything in IMDb trivia. The Eddie Cantor show. Yeah, they do. The Eddie Cantor Comedy Theater references from the same title. So yeah, the Cantor show is the Eddie I, – I, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, Eddie Cantor is, is just I, a name I know. I think he was sort of an Ed Sullivan type guy, but maybe there more of a Borscht Belt comedian. From like the fifties, but I don't know. You should have just checked IMDb trivia. (laughs) No, it wasn't. (laughs) It's there. I just looked at it. Fine. Or no connections. Sorry, not trivia. Okay. Okay. Well, we figured it out. We came full circle. We figured it out. We got it. Okay. So, yeah. So walk us through. Okay. So we start this episode out with Fran and Niles in the kitchen. And we established that Fran is headed to Friday night services and she's really dressed up. She's like looking her best because apparently there's a new young single canter at the temple. Um, and for anyone Which listening- I guess we should stop and explain what a canter is. Yes. <laughs> Which the show does not do, right? No. no, that's what I mean. This show was like, hey, these people are Jewish. This is Jewish life. Get in or get out. And like- you'll figure it out from context clues because they never slow down to be like, what's a canter? Well, the canter is, they show you what he does, you know, show don't tell, right? Like they, they bring you into the temple and we see the canter is like singing to the, so basically temples have a rabbi and then they have a canter and it's usually the canter will sing all of the Hebrew prayers and, and this stuff. And the rabbi leads the service and reads the Torah and, Sometimes you get a singing rabbi, but usually not. <laughs> well, the cantor leads leads the congregation in song. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a cantor is sort of like the choir leader at a church, but many, at least conservative temples, don't have a choir. The entire audience will sing. So the, the cantor leads that, but also is a, in a, an important role within the temple. And it's, it's like a full-time job and often helps the bar and bat mitzvah. Uh, boys and girls learn their uh, portions and stuff. So it's an important role with, within a synagogue. Mm-hmm. And so, Fran, you know, Fran uh, says that there's this young single cantor at her mom's temple. Um, and she goes, oh, and I'm bringing Maggie and Gracie because I think, you know, I want to teach them how other cultures pick up men. <laughs> um, and then we also establish in this scene that Fran has um, – lost some luggage with an airline mm-hmm. and she's going to claim that she had a 500 watch in there because $500 watch. Yeah. Because then she 
will get uh, the $500 insurance. So she's pulling a little scam under the encouragement of Niles. Classic, a classic con. Yep. And so we cut to the next scene. Can we just say like, or I I mean, in this scene, it is the the temple scene. Gracie's shawl. <laughs> yes. So good. So, before they leave to go to temple, yeah, Gracie she, the comes little in. girl comes out wearing sort of a babushka costume or with semi more maybe looking like a child gypsy from you know costume yeah, or something. She, she looks like a she looks like a young yentl. <laughs> like yes. they went with a real, you know, uh, fiddler on the roof, Yentl, sunrise, sunset look. She's like, she looks like an old Jewish grandma. Well, and she like very proudly, country. she proudly goes, Fran, I'm ready for temple. And yeah. then Fran goes, Honey, it's only Friday night services. We're not fleeting uh, Anatevka, yeah. <laughs> which is from Fiddler on the Roof. From Fiddler, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it was, it was great. And then by contrast, can we just say Maggie? looks the most goyim of all goyims that I've ever seen. Like <laughs> they cut to a shot of her in the temple and I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, oy vey. Just a little, she's a little, a little waspy heiress oh, at Temple. Uh, but so, yeah. but we go to Temple and we cut right to Cantor Gary singing. And yeah. like, I have this note, I'm like, they really let him go a bit. Like he is, <laughs> he's singing, you know, and the, the all the audience, especially it. the women are riveted. And what, I don't know what exact prayer he was doing, but he, I mean, he was singing real Hebrew. I mean, yeah. I guess they wouldn't have given him like nonsense words to sing or something, but <laughs> I assume he was doing like, like, like bagel and cream cheese and lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was it was it was legit, guys. It, listeners, yeah. it was legit. But, but so anyway, so the, he well, finishes. Wait, but then they, they, yeah, when they the, the thing that made me the first thing like sort of belly laugh I had was when he finishes and the entire audience <laughs> launches into applause, which is not something that happened at any temple I've ever been in. So it's it's not like a no. concert, no. <laughs> so that was a little that that was a false note for me at least. <laughs> yes. Yes, and it was it was a heightened reality for sure. But you know, part of this is that oh, there's that thing that sound again. But I heard it too. Yes, yeah. Um, part of what this is establishing is that like all the young single women in Temple are really there to try to make an impression on this like (laughs) handsome single guy. So they all beeline for the you know the front of the and that rang very accurate for me. Really, I was too little to pick up on any of that. Um, Yeah. But so it will literally, um, you know, Fran like pushes a couple girls out of the way to be first in line. And at one point, you know, she says something like, oh, yeah, you know, I I haven't gone to temple regularly or since I was in Hebrew school. She says something like that. And her mom goes, oh, yeah, like what? That was about 10 years ago. Or maybe maybe Fran even goes, yeah, that was about 10 years ago. And then another mom goes, huh. 10 years ago, you were babysitting my daughter. And then Sylvia goes, you're lucky we're in Temple Sarah. <laughs> it was like a very well-delivered line. Like she would get physical with this woman. First. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's, and she's then- so good. Uh, every line she delivers is is on fire. And and that that was – that was that was my first belly laugh of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Temple. <laughs> then, well, then Fran casually drops that she works for Broadway, uh, works for a Broadway producer, and that you know she. I mean, not casually. She. <laughs> yes. Well, she very intentionally drops yeah, it, and she's like, you know, I can get, I can get you and your wife tickets anytime. And then he's like, oh, I'm not married, and you know, she and Sylvia are like, oh, really? <laughs> but like, very obviously knew that, and he's mm-hmm. like, but I do love 
the theater said like we should go together sometime uh and so we kind of that that kicks off this little romance um and I'm I'm glazing over a few things just because I have a feeling we're going to go long if I don't. But um, so then we we cut back to the mansion, um, and we find Bert Bacharach, the one and only, <laughs> the one and only, which, yep. which we we chatted very briefly before uh, we started recording, and we all realized that we all three of us knew who this was, recognized him on sight, then couldn't figure out why we knew that. And then all remembered it was probably because of Austin Power. <laughs> yes. Yes. Our first introduction to this, you know, creative genius. <laughs> but we should, we should say he's, I mean, he's a composer first and foremost, right? Which is even weirder why we know him because he was never really a performer. That, that was like a Mike Myers dragging him into the spotlight kind of thing. But he he he's a composer, and he made this song "Say a Little Prayer," which they play in this episode, uh, which everybody knows from was that the my best friend's wedding? What movie is that? Say a little prayer, Say a little prayer for um, or is that or is that? Oh, is it Sister Act? It might be no, Sister no, Act. No, 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 it's not. It's um, maybe it would make sense. No, I think you're right. It, it is, is my best, my best friend's best wedding. wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, where they all start singing it. At yes, the yes, end. yes, yes, yes. He also did What the World Needs Now is Love. <laughs> what the world needs now is love, sweet love, right? He did I'll Never Fall in Love Again, which is what they do in Austin Powers. He wrote Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. I mean, this guy. I mean, he's, uh, he's not a messing around. Formidable talent. Um, <laughs> theme from Arthur. And but so he so this he is sitting at the Sheffield's piano playing <laughs> as Mr. Sheffield, CC and Niles are listening. Yes. And uh, you know, he finishes the song and like the studio audience like goes crazy and you know he gets a big, you know, a big <laughs> this, like round of applause. This is such a nineties moment for yes. me. Yes. I just feel like this like this doesn't happen. I don't know if it happened in the eighties or seventies. It definitely doesn't happen on TV now. It'll well, I, you know, there's so few like sitcoms filmed before live studio audiences, but it's just like you know, it, it, there's no reality to this whatsoever, and it's you know, and Mr. Sheffield is almost like, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Burt Bacharach, like, like it's, it's just like this is like a you know variety show or something, and you have this guy singing and ever, and the audience is like, yes, we all love Burt Bacharach, and you know, we're just going wild for him. Well, here's the thing though, the the. Biggest fans of The Nanny probably, you know, there's a lot of musical theater, a lot of theater yeah. people who watch us. They they might have. This but a, well, I mean, these, these these audiences, we've seen on this show, Toria, these audiences pop for like Andrew Lloyd Webber in the same way and like soap opera actors. So like I feel like Burt Backrag is like not a stretch that these people were like, oh my God, we're well, all the Burt audience. And I did say this, even though I had no idea who Burt Backrag was when I first watched Austin Powers, I, I remember my dad perking up and being like oh like you know like he i guess to an older generation maybe he was a a bigger commodity but then it made me laugh because then Cece instantly puts her foot in her mouth and she goes that was incredible and imagine how good it will sound when we get someone who can sing yes. <laughs> and then she like kind of like backtracks and goes i mean sings as well as you um which was a classic cc moment and we also have a really funny bit too where and i actually thought bert was great and you know in this little bit that he was expected to do where you know, mr sheffield goes oh this is wonderful and, you know the last person to play this piano was marvin Hamlish, um, which, by the way, Arie is true. He yeah. was the last person on the show to play that piano uh -huh. um, several episodes back. And then uh, Bert goes, 
you're going to do a show with Marvin Hamlish, <laughs> like very like Which interested is, and annoyed and that, or like, and, like, you know, curious and not annoyed. The, that's the wrong piano word. joke is also like a bit of a meta joke f- for this show too. Right. Cause it's like, they have this beautiful piano in their house and they only ever use it when there's a guest on the show. <laughs> like, yes, that's true. That's we've, true. we've never seen, I don't think anyone play this piano except for like a guest. Yeah, I mean it's for literally Marvin Hamlish and Napper back. But so but he goes, he's like, You're gonna do a show with Marvin Hamlish? And then Mr. Sheffield's like, No, oh no, I mean it was a social thing. And he's like, Oh, you had a party for Marvin? And then he's like, No, no, I mean it it, it was an award thing. And he goes, Marvin got another award. And I just like I really was like, Oh, Bert Bagrat's a good sport. Like of what little I know about him, like I like him even more now. Like, so all right, so so then then Fran and the can the Cantor come in, right? Cantor Gary, yeah, and and Gary <laughs> Cantor Gary starts singing immediately, almost like there's like brief introductions, but like in the interest of moving things along, like he starts singing and he like lays it on thick. He like spins uh, Fran and he dips her and he he does a whole a whole number. <laughs> well, because he's like, oh, Mr. Bacharach, I love your music. I sing it yeah. in temple sometimes. Then he just goes into song and then Burt Bacharach just instantly starts accompanying him on the yes. piano. And then this is and, – and this is the – like probably of all the unbelievable things that happened in this episode, this was the <laughs> most forced – and Toria, you, you, this, this was like one of your pet peeves of this show sometimes where they'll just make a thing happen so that an episode happens. And this was one of those things where like – Immediately after this, Burt Backrack turns to uh, uh, Cece and Mr. Sheffield and he goes, I want that guy in the show. And they go, okay. <laughs> like, there's no discussion. There's no like, well, wait, what? Who is this guy? He's the cantor at a temple. They just go, all right. And then, and then they're like, hey, do you want to be in our show? And he goes, yes. And then they're like, okay, well, you're a cantor. And he's like, actually, here, take my agent's card. And we get this like joke that he like already has like an agent at William Morris. And, and it's just, it happens so quickly. Well, the whole, the, the pace of the whole show, as someone who has not watched Any Nanny in 25 years, is extremely quick. And like, they're, the intro, you know, Fran meeting the cantor to the next scene, they're already dating. Mm-hmm. That happens extremely quickly. And by the like middle towards end of the episode, she's expecting an engagement ring. Like this is all that- happened within about 15 minutes. I assume this is sort of like the tone of the show, but I, I, I was yes. surprised by just how, what a breakneck pace. It and, was. and also that's very indicative of just Fran's thirst for getting proposed to. <laughs> yeah. Which leads us to the next scene, right? Is where we are at a party at Sylvia's house and the rabbi is there and the cantor is there. And there's this, you know, we, we get a very funny half appearance of Fran's father who we, we actually, we've never seen before on the show. Yes. So they do this beat where she's like, Maury. And then we see his two Morty. off his, right, Morty. So is that, is that an established thing in the show? Like the name, like Wilson on Home Improvement that you never fully see the dad or mm-hmm. you had never seen him before at all? We've never seen him at all before. Okay. They just, he's always in the other room on the toilet or watching TV. <laughs> and, and, and this was the first time where we get a glimpse. We get his feet and his hands and his toupee falling off of his head. Cause he like yes. bends down to pick up his toupee. <laughs> I like that beat a lot. Um, me too. I, me I, too. Well, and the important, the really important thing, 
with this scene is, you know, we think it's going to be a small intimate dinner at Sylvia's house. And it turns out like the whole community is there because now that Fran is dating the popular cantor, Sylvia is like, you know, the belle of the ball. Everyone wants to be her friend. (laughs) And so everyone's there, including like the rabbi. And uh, at one point, Cantor Gary, he like, you know, goes, everybody, like I have an announcement to make. And it it does seem like he's going to propose to Fran, right? Sylvia goes like, oh, like, the- <laughs> and then, uh, and then he announces instead that he's leaving the temple for a career on Broadway. And there's a <laughs> moment everyone reacts, but my favorite beat is there's a moment where you just hear some woman off camera go, "This is all Sylvia's fault." <laughs> yes, <laughs> which. <laughs> Like, I get that the show's not Sylvia's show, but I wish the rest of the episode had been about Sylvia being so stressed out that everyone hates her now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, Uh, but the thing is, he sets it up in a way where he's like, being a cantor has been the most rewarding thing in my life until I met you, Fran. (laughs) And then that's why they're all like leaning in, waiting for it. And then he's like, which is why I'm leaving the temple (laughs) so to pursue my new career on Broadway. Um, but yeah, so it's huge, huge drama. And then we <laughs> cut to a few weeks later. Well, well you're leaving out the part of the rabbi, the decrepit rabbi yes. spilling his food everywhere, which I thought was a Gra- funny. He spills the gravy boat. There's there's a beat right before this where Sylvia goes, uh, Morty, take the gravy boat away from the rabbi. And then, and then like, and she just yells that like randomly in the middle of the scene off screen to Morty. And then he, she makes this, the cantor makes his announcement. And then you see the rabbi go, oh, and he just spills the whole gravy boat. Yeah. Well, cause it's just this silly gag that this old rabbi is spilling things all over Sylvia's home on the very evening that she finally took the plastic off of all her right. furniture. Cause yes. it was such a special night. Just a silly little guy that was It's great. This enjoyable. show is this this episode was this show firing on all cylinders. <laughs> As evidenced by how much there is to talk about in a, in an episode that like plot-wise was like as thin as any other. There's just so much. It's great. Well, and we cut to what I imagine is a week or two later. Gary's in the Sheffield living room (laughs) practicing a song with a pianist. And again, they really let him sing for a while. Like they waste some sweet, you know, airtime on just this guy singing. (laughs) And, you know, Mr. Sheffield literally says like, oh, Gary, like you're such a talent. I wish I could give you a better – I wish I could give you a bigger part in this show. And no sooner does he say that, (laughs) does Cece come rushing in and she's like – Mr. She's no, she doesn't call Mr. Sheffield. She's like, Maxwell. She's like, you know, our worst nightmare has happened. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Because this is it. This is the the fantastic CC Niles moment. She comes in, barreling in, and she screams, Maxwell, it's your worst nightmare. And Niles goes, Oh, will you stop announcing yourself? I'll be out of a job. Yes. And he just walks right out. Well, because I was going to say, we, Niles got a little, um, Underselled, I, I think, in the first scene in this he episode, did. because he couldn't. They use him. I noticed in that first scene where uh, Fran's leaving for Temple is just really like the guy who's setting up jokes for Fran to knock down, and mm-hmm. that's like really underutilizing him. But he he picks up steam as this episode goes. But so does he. Does he always so like three times this episode he delivers a joke, then walks off. 
yes. camera. Is that what he always does? I thought that was so funny. It's like showmanship from Seinfeld. Where like he delivers a joke, he's out of there. Like yeah, that's that, what he does. That allows the laughter or pro- applause break. But like he's not, you know, he's not hanging around and mugging. He's like going off and doing no, he's else. not because he's he's supposed to be doing Butler stuff. So <laughs> right. often his jokes come as like he he'll be like dusting a shelf. He's look like up. polishing a piece of silver. Yes. Yes, yeah. he'll say a slammer, and then he'll be like, I'm done with this silverware, and he'll walk into the other room. Like, <laughs> Yes, it's a very dignified way to deliver your joke. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but so but so Cece comes rushing in, and then, you know, Niles um, gets, gets a good Niles. dig in. Yep. And then she's like, the lead of our show has gotten hit by a bus. and <laughs> <laughs> which, which also is like, <laughs> I wrote, well, we need some time to unpack that. And they didn't give us any. Because... Well, <laughs> But they did because they, they make a joke of it where Mr. Sheffield's like, oh, God, like he stands up and he's like, well, I guess we're going to have to, you know, use the understudy. And then and then um, Cece goes, Maxwell, aren't you going to even ask how he is? And Mr. Sheffield's like, oh, right, right. Of course. Like, you know, how is he? And then she goes, the understudy stinks. <laughs> it was just like she, she's so great in these yeah. moments. And they, they set it up in a way where I didn't fully see that beat coming. Same. Like I, I which always I like that when that happens. Um, and she delivered it in a way where I was just like, oh, man, she's really good when she's yeah, good. Her delivery, her delivery on that was really, really good. Um, and a, 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 like a character you haven't met getting hit by a bus is another sort of like <laughs> 90s sitcom thing that yes. I guess they stopped you it just became a cliche or just getting hit by the idea of getting hit by a bus in general maybe a sort of falling off but um yes but that yeah that just seemed like it happened a lot more back then just some some guy <laughs> they got hit by a bus i feel like getting hit by a bus peaked with um final destination <laughs> <laughs> that was really pinnacle hit by a bus so good good on you Devin yeah, Sawa. Sean, you're you're on the record that it sounds like the hill you're gonna die on i will, I will. don't argue with me we don't have time <laughs> All right. Um, but so then just as they are like, oh God, like, you know, we've the understudy stinks, they hear Gary in the background, who's been like diligently singing and practicing this whole time while this conversation has been happening. And then Mr. Sheffield's just like, Cece, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And she's and Arya, I don't know if you know this because you're not a usual nanny watcher, but Cece's obviously like desperately in love with Mr. Sheffield, mm-hmm. and he like he has no idea that she exists outside of their business partnership. And yeah. so she's just like that life is short and we should just go upstairs and and, and then he goes, hire Gary. And then she like pauses and she's like, hire Gary? Kinky. Oh, you mean for the show? But she was like, definitely considering. Yeah, she was considering it. Yeah, I just, oh my God, CC cracks me up. Um, and so this, you know, is this big moment that, you know, they give Gary the lead role in their Broadway show. And so in the next scene, you know, this is happening like at the same time, uh, Fran and Sylvia come into the Sheffield's kitchen and Sylvia is like, you know, she's got like a scarf around her head and uh, and like big sunglasses on and she's just basically trying to be incognito because she's like currently this, the shame of her community and she's like, you know, if anybody sees me, they're going to give me the evil eye. And she's basically like, Fran, like you have to convince Mr. Sheffield to like fire Gary so that he'll come back and be the cantor. Like that, you know, everybody hates me. Um, the temple's like going to fail without him, um, which is a little strange considering he's like just the new cantor, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and then Fran's like, you know, she, she's like, you know, I, I can't tell Mr. Sheffield how to run his life. But then Mr. Sheff, you know, sorry, Gary and Mr. Sheffield enter and Gary announces, you know, he's going to be the star of the musical now, not just like, you know, a second tier cast member. And so at first Fran tries to 
to like do her mother's bidding. But then Mr. Sheffield's like, well, I mean, Gary's going to be huge. Like he's going to be so rich and so famous. And then Fran's like, okay, never mind. Actually, uh, I'm, he's going to stay in the show, mom. And Sylvia's like, she essentially then insinuates that God will punish them for for taking the canter yes. away from the from Wait, the temple. Did you, did you get the beat where she talks to the kids yet, though? Or do we skip? I blew that? past it. I blew past it because we're <laughs> okay. we're just so. I'll much. save it for favorite lines because I, um, I love that beat. Okay, but so basically, you know, she's just because Fran's like, "Sorry, mom, it's two against one," and Sylvia's yeah. like, "It's not two against one." She's like, "Because I have a higher power on my side," and then she like turns to leave, and she just like lowers her sunglasses, and she's like. And ours is not a merciful God. <laughs> she leaves, and there's. Did you hear? There's like a mwahaha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and which, again, from my experience growing up in a Jewish household, tracks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this development in the plot of like, you know, a higher power, in, you know, suddenly is inter- <laughs> intercessing in in reality is also like there were just so many things in this episode where I was like, you just don't see this on TV anymore. That like suddenly God is like sending like like it's it's you know biblical well, plagues. Yeah, because yeah, this cause, one piggy event. As, uh, as soon as this happens, she finds a locust. Yes, it's, and it's yeah. ra- it's raining for a week, and yeah. So yeah, I mean this this you know like. Uh, God exists within the universe of the nanny, like you know the, the this ancient question of whether God is real or not. Like well, in, Jewish in the God. universe, there is yes, the Old Testament God exists yeah. and intercedes <laughs> in in everyday yeah. life to you know affect affect events. So that, that, well, that's that's really good, something. To good to good New York Jewish women, he does, which also <laughs> by my experience tracks. <laughs> well, I was thinking, like you know, this is kind of interesting that this is probably a lot of. America's first real exposure to Judaism. <laughs> and this is the portrayal. <laughs> like almost like, you know, he's, you know, Sylvia has cast a, a spell, a curse. <laughs> 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 um, but so. Uh, she does bring up the evil eye in an earlier part of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So we cut to a week later. And like, as you guys said, he's been, you know, it's been raining for seven days and seven nights. And, um, <laughs> and, you know, at first she's like, oh, maybe my mom was right about this. But then Mr. Sheffield comes running in and he's got these like um, the, the like pre-review, whatever it's called. The I forget what it's called, but it's basically like the what is it called before? Advanced review. That's the it. Advanced review. Of, of yeah. the of the yeah. new show and like they're raving and they're like, oh, yes, you know. Uh, Maxwell Sheffield has a certified hit on his hands with this, you know, Gary Isaacs and blah, blah, blah. And he's just like so excited. And it seems like everything's going to be great until then Gary comes in, enters, and he announces that he's actually been cast in Andrew Lloyd Webber's Avita, the movie. So he is going to be pulling out of the show for this bigger opportunity. And literally, no sooner does he say that, does ominous thunder ring out. And at first, Mr. Sheffield at least pretends to congratulate him and is like, okay, like, you know, this is a great opportunity for you. Um, yeah. You know, good luck. And Gary, I, he, the way he break, he doesn't even really break up with Fran. He's just basically like, thanks, Fran. All my life, all I thought about was just, you know, getting married and settling down. But then I met you and you changed all that. <laughs> and, and, you know, and so he leaves and we find out that Mr. Sheffield's so calm because he's like, oh, he's not going anywhere. Gary has an ironclad contract. At which point Cece walks in and she's like, was that Gary getting into a limo? And she's like, it's no big deal. I'll have him sign his contract tomorrow. <laughs> and, and my favorite part of this whole scene is 
at first, so then like she leaves and goes into the kitchen and Mr. Sheffield stands up and as usual, he screams at Fran and blames her for something that couldn't possibly have been anticipated by her. It is not her fault. No, it's and he's, fault. Yeah. And then he's like, you know, of course, like you get involved in my life and, you know, everything, you know, goes to hell. And he's like, you know, but I'll get to you later. And then he goes, I have to go uh, bludgeon, bludgeon Cece with a Tony. And he runs out. Um, so, but I just like the idea that he would he would threaten to beat a woman with a <laughs> just casually. He also so when he's celebrating the success, the future success, he's smoking like one of the biggest cigars I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like a foot long, mm-hmm. it's incredible. Mm-hmm. He also he, there's also a great beat where the cantor comes in. And he's like, "I'm leaving to go. I'm going to film a part in a movie," and then he's like. Maxwell's like, oh, okay, cool. And then he goes, it's a part in an Angeloid Weber's Evita. And Maxwell goes, oh my God, Angeloid Weber is God. <laughs> yes. And um, another thing, Arya, there's a long, long standing joke in this show that uh, Mr. Sheffield hates Angeloid Weber. I almost, I, that was so prominent that I kind of remembered that from yeah. seeing it as a kid, even though I didn't really know who Angeloid Weber was, you know, when I was like 11 years old watching uh-huh. the show. Yes, and he's constantly bested by him. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, and so then, um, you know, Mr. Sheffield's run off to, like, you know, beat CC, And then Val, Val is there, and she's like, Fran, like, do you think that maybe your mom was right and, like, God is punishing you for all that, for, you know, the taking the canter away? And she's like, no, no, like, Mr. Sheffield's always mad at me. I'm always single. What's new? But then she looks at the mail and she goes – I miss the Lomans year-end clearance sale. <laughs> She's like, why me, God? Um, and you probably – so we've talked about Lomans on this show before. I'm very familiar with Lomans and the phenomenon that it is among East Coast Jewish women. Sean, I guess they didn't have them in Florida. But Arya, I'm assuming you knew Lomans from Jersey. Like- yeah, I think I knew – it's sort of like Filing's Bargain Basement. Kind yes. of thing. I, I associate with that. I don't think I'd, I ever been to it myself, but knew sort of what it was. Yeah. So yes, and um, I, as I've said on the show before, Lomans was kind of iconic for at least in my like eight year old child's mind for having communal dressing rooms. So like your mom mm. would drag you in, and it would just be all old ladies getting changed in front of you, and just you're just horrible. <laughs> uh, but so then we cut to Temple. This is like wrapping up the episode. Um, Fran and Sylvia walk in, like everyone's shooting them the evil eye and they kind of like, you know, like quietly sit in the back trying not to be noticed. Um, And, you know, they're just like completely despondent at the state of things. And then Fran actually, she goes, Debbie Berkowitz got engaged? Who am I, Job? Because like this woman who clearly she hates at Temple, like has an engagement ring on. And Sylvia is so distraught that she's literally eating a BLT out of her bag. <laughs> yes, the, eating the, the strips of bacon. That was a very funny psychic. Um and then that's, that's another like, running gag. She's always eating. Yeah, yes. Well, Fran then, you know, is looking through her purse for like a napkin for Sylvia and she pulls out the $500 check and it kind of clicks for her because she's like, you know, what did I do that was so bad? And she's like, oh, like the airline scam. And she's like, this must be it. So she instantly shoots up from her chair and she runs over to the rabbi and she's like, donation to the temple, donation to the temple. And she like gives it to him. And then no sooner does she do that, does she like sit back down and Fran's mom has just heard 
this other woman at Temple's moving to Boca, which means that they now are going to get her seats for the high holidays. <laughs> and then uh, Debbie Berkowitz stands up and throws her ring at the guy and goes, the engagement is off and like runs out. And then um, and like the rain stops and Fran's like, wow, like he doesn't just work, work in mysterious ways. He works He's fast. Yeah. And so they're back on God's good side. And like that's the end of the episode. Yeah, I mean, the idea that like the, the that woman, Debbie Berkowitz is... Uh, engagement ending is like a, a victory for Fran is, 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 is like a very funny idea in itself. Like, yes. it's not like she wanted that guy. She just doesn't want, you know, the rival to succeed at all. Yes. Well, there's also lots of references to like how Fran would sabotage girls in competitions growing up. Yes. Like, is Fran really the hero in these stories? Like, that's horrible. <laughs> she, Fran might not be a girl's girl. She's, you know, she's yeah. looking out for herself. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because the episode <clears> – <throat> Also, like like the the Niles story either acknowledges the existence of Christian God also, or that none of this is God and it's just like karmic. Oh yes, that, that he stole from the yeah, offering plate when he was a child. Right? Yeah, because he has a beat where she's like, "Oh my God, like we're cursed. Like this is because I I did something wrong and I." you know, made God mad. And then he's like, well, once when I was younger, I stole from the offering plate and nothing bad happened to me. And then there's a beat and he goes, now if you excuse me, I have to go wash someone else's underwear. <laughs> like, which is very it's funny even, line. It's even worse. It's, I have to go wash other people's underwear. Other people's underwear. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, and it's like a funny line, but it also is like, well, so, you know, is the show saying that like, you know, is the show advocating for God is real or is the show just saying like, you know, bad shit happens to, you know, I, I think it's things. perfectly ambiguous. It's yeah. both, you know, it's ambiguous. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Is there, a, is there a vision of like ultimate justice within the nanny universe? Like, I think there is. Yeah, they're just desserts or not. Uh, like hard to say. I mean, I want to believe there is that character <laughs> and she, uh, she doesn't get hit by a bus. You know, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say there's definitely magical realism in the nanny universe. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like if we're yeah, more than more than like, you know, uh like a central morality or like proof of God. Um but we should we just move on should we move on to our favorite lines and moments? Because I feel like we're we're kind of bleeding into that already. Yeah, we should. Let's move on to segments. Okay. And now segments. So Segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> so the segment music will have play. Yes. <laughs> um, which I do want to write another one, but I know that's a lot of work for Sean. Go for it. <laughs> um, no, I want sh- want you to write the new. Need to do a new segment theme, guys. Okay. Um, but anyway, so sure. we kind of were just touching on this, is why I wanted to get into this, which is, yeah, I love the line where uh, Niles claims that he once stole five shillings from the church donation plate, and nothing happened to him, and now he has to go wash other people's underwear. But there was also this other Niles beat, which cracked me up, which is when. Fran gets her check from the airline. He he's like folding laundry and he's like, hmm, like, don't you think this could be construed as fraud, Miss Fine? And she's like, Oh, I don't know, Mr. 14 Dependent. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> right. and then he goes, he goes, 
Yes. And it's so difficult supporting them all since I'm a student and everything. And then he goes, now get out of my home office. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, It's funny. Yeah. That it's sort of like everyone is like running their own little grift on the side. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I like Sylvia. This was a beat that we skipped over, but I really loved Sylvia comes into the kitchen and she's all stressed out and she takes Brighton's food off of his plate and she goes, now go play with your brother and the little one in the other room. And there's a beat where Brighton looks at her like, wait, what? And then he leaves. And then she turns to Fran and she goes, oh, that haircut is awful on her. Yeah. <laughs> Implying well, she thought Brighton was Maggie. Well, the whole thing is she's wearing sunglasses because she's refusing to take off her like incognito disguise. And she's like, I can see fine. And then she turns to Brighton and goes, go play with your brother. uses him for Maggie. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we also have a great Sylvia beat where she claims she's so distraught she wants to die, but then pauses to take a bite of cake, which is very Sylvia. Um, Also, Fran says, if God listened to a word my mom said, I'd be living in a mansion with a millionaire and his kids. And she goes, oh, (laughs) forgot to wish that I was married. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is a good one. Uh, Um, What else? Well, Sylvia's screaming – Morty, take the gravy boat away from the rabbi. Got me. <laughs> yes. Um, Ari, was there anything that stood out to you? Good, you know, bad, I, confounding. I mean, I think the the sort of like the visual gags or just the visual like details stood out, like like that huge cigar and uh, and other things like that. Yeah, you know, struck me as like, oh yeah, this is weird. And yeah, I guess it, it's just more of the having not immersed myself in a '90s sitcom the way you guys have, just the how broad it was and how like silly and goofy it was. And that is something that you don't, you know, it, it, that has faded away from the, from culture as well. Just like this level of, you know, silliness and, yes. <laughs> and like you know, well, just doing whatever for a gag. I mean, I don't know that. I think all of the Tina Fey shows have that consistency to them. To That's true. Fair. Yeah. It, there's definitely, I mean, the cartoonishness of it in, in, in like 30 rock was sort of a like live action cartoon in a way. And yeah. And, and the, what was the one on Netflix? Uh, Kimmy, Kimmy Schmidt. Schmidt and girls five ever on, on Peacock now is, is ridiculous. Like so, a completely but, uh, absurd show. Okay. So we did some favorite lines and moments. I'll get us into trivia now. Okay. So this was interesting. I, IMBD listed this as a goof, which led me down another rabbit hole. So the goof was listed as Fran takes the money that she swindled from the airline and donates and donates it to the temple in order to get back in God's good graces. However, gifting ill-gotten gains to the temple is an offense in itself under Jewish law, <laughs> and an act quote abhorrent to the Lord would unlikely would, would be unlikely to assuage his wrath. <laughs> Fair. I, I did a little digging to be like, okay, is this no, accurate? Who, who, or, yeah. is, or is IMDb up to it again? This is in fact true. So it's in Jewish law, like from the Talmud, knowing where you're donating your money to is just as important as knowing where you're getting donated money from. And so it's really important to know it wasn't stolen or it wasn't attained from any quote, ill-gotten means. And it even states that- But you're um, saying it's also important to know that you're not donating it to like- uh 
crappy people or yes or well that's why i said it's like you know it's that that seems like the more intuitive one like know where you're donating your money to but it's also important to know who's donating money to you and it, the talmud even states that charity collectors can accept money from housewives but only in small amounts and the logic being that their husbands are really the ones in you know are the ones in control of the finances and so if it's more than a small amount it might not actually have been approved by like the real owner of that money that that's how far this goes there is actually there is a story in the Talmud um, where this kind of wise man and this younger man are uh, going around from city to city and town to town collecting charity, and these really wealthy women are giving um, these like really lavish gold necklaces to to charity to them. And the younger guy goes, "Oh, I thought we're not supposed to take large amounts from housewives." And the older wise man goes, "Ah, yes, but they're so rich that this is a small amount to them." <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, so it goes deep. But so theoretically, this ill-gotten money would not have fixed things or rectified Fran's situation <laughs> the Lord. There's also – there's this, one of the few things that I learned in Hebrew school that I retained was there's a hierarchy of charitable giving within Judaism where an anonymous donation – is more ethical, you know, like the, the worst form of charity is a rich person, like handing money to a poor person, because then the rich person feel good, feels good about themselves. And the poor person feels embarrassed. And mm. there's, there's gradations within this. And then like the anonymous leaving a donation where you don't know who, who gets it in the end, then that's like the purest ethical form, because you're not, you're not like feeling, you know, you don't feel like you're putting yourself above someone and no one feel no one knows that you did something great. Um, and like Maimonides came up with this. So it's, Ooh, so that wow. maybe conflicts with, you know, with Fran uh, handing over the $500 check uh, as well. And, yell- and yelling about it <laughs> to the whole temple. <laughs> wow. Well, then you would almost think the purest form would be, you don't even know you're donating at all. <laughs> so. Yes. <laughs> um, so, but that, that's really interesting. Um, um, we should also uh, note, uh, IMDb trivia points out that the exterior shot of the synagogue in this is a real synagogue from Flushing, Queens, where Fran is from. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty interesting. And then they also do mention that the title refers to the old Eddie Cantor show from. Yeah, Indiana. we got it. I missed it, Sean. <laughs> we did it. Okay. We went. But uh, normally. A screenshot of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, literally, RA, yeah. while we were recording, he sent me the screenshot <laughs> of the Eddie Cantor trivia in IMDb, <laughs> just, just in case I had missed it in the five minutes we talked about how I missed it. But also, um, normally we would do Yiddish. Interestingly enough, there was no Yiddish, but we did already discuss a lot Cantor. of Hebrew. A lot, yeah, we did a lot of Jewish stuff this episode, so I feel like it's okay that we don't have a Yiddish term. We can't do and, too much, or they'll come for us. So. I think we, I, and I would say I think we've already we've done enough for a whole season of the nanny podcast. So <laughs> We've hit our Jewish one- cab, so we won't be doing the Yiddish segment for the rest of the season. <laughs> um, but so this is, you know, normally we close out the show doing who's the Fran, who's the CC. Mm-hmm. Um, but we always then like to turn it over to the guest. And if you felt like you resonated more with the Fran or the CC in this episode. In, in, in the sense of, um, it- well, say more. It's sorry. Not, it, this is a this is a nonsensical game in the sense of <laughs> in the sense of Fran um, was involved in the a plot and did all the things that she did this episode, and Cece royally screwed stuff up and was insulted multiple times. So, who did you relate well, no, to more? No, because it can be. I can be however you take it. Sometimes it'll be like, well, I've gotten you know screwed over financially, so I relate to this character more, or it can be. 
I often, you know, feel ignored by a loved one. So I'm the CC in this, like, it's really whatever. It can be very literal or it can be very, you know, uh, like esoteric. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't think I, you know, I would never have the gumption to do a like airport um, insurance scam to begin with um, Mm -hmm. or to, you know, try to snag the hot new canter. Um, so I, I didn't feel a particular connection to France plotline here. And yeah, maybe CC's various like mistakes that resonated more with me. See, and I'll say this week, I believe that I'm a Cantor Gary. <laughs> so that's my answer. I'm Cantor Gary this week. And then I am the rabbi that spills food everywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, you We're are. We're just a free-for-all. Uh, uh, <laughs> We're just going off the rails uh, when we get to be anyone. All right. But now we get to do something that we very rarely get to do on this show because Tori and I don't do anything outside of this podcast. <laughs> um, so let's do plugs. Uh, what? Tell us about uh, your podcast a little bit and, and give all the information that you need to give so that people can check it out. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, so it's uh, Culturally Determined. I've been doing it since 2015. It previously appeared on the Blogging Heads platform and is now independent. So you can find it on your, you know, any podcasting app. And it, it also is on YouTube, um, but not on video, it's just the audio. And it is a show, an interview show um, about politics and culture broadly, or culture and politics. And I, it's basically, it's more or less whatever interests me. And so I do both High and low culture. So talking about the nanny is firmly within, you know, what I talk about. The highest, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, other uh, episodes have been about, you know, Shakespeare and stuff like that. And or you know, I did a recent episode with Dana Stevens from the, the film critic from Slate about her new uh, biography of Buster Keaton. And um, mm-hmm. and maybe if if viewers or listeners of this program would be interested in a, an episode I did. Um, last year, which was with the novelist Dara Horn about her new book, uh, which is has a very provocative title, People Love Dead Jews. And that was a very Jewy, Jewy episode that I did. And we talked and some of the things we talked about resonate with things from this episode. Um, and yeah, so people can check that one out or the, the episode that I did with you guys, which uh, is called, I think, Diving Into the Nanny and came out um, in May. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, and then for us guys, you know, uh, rate and review the show on, on all of the places, Apple podcasts, five-star reviews really help, uh, obviously, uh, share it and talk about it and tell people to listen to it and get them to watch the nanny. Just listen, do it like we did it one episode <laughs> at a time, go on their podcast, uh, ask them for, <laughs> to return a favor, then get them to watch the nanny with you. And if you want to reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter, you can do that on <laughs> Oh Mr. Chef Pod, which is the the name of our uh, our handles on both of those platforms. And as always, we'll see you next week for more for more episodes. I, I I don't know what. As always, I was like, I don't have a sign off. Well, well, we like to go. Well, for, we like to go goodbye, oh, yeah. but then we also now like to go everybody out. Yeah. Not you, because they do that all the time on the name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one, so, one person who's in trouble tries to slink out with everybody else. Yeah. So on that note, everybody out of here. Toria, not you. Okay. <laughs> all right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks, Ray. Thank you. The Flushing Girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine. <laughs>